Do you like this time of year? I mean, you know, the, the, the heat of the summer's over, and it's getting a little crisper, and, and then football is going in full swing, and then you come to church, and there's the smell of chicken. Yeah, this is a, this is a good day. It is a good, good day. I've already been out there. I've already sampled the chicken for you. It's okay. So it, it's, it's going to be all right for you. I can guarantee you, uh, you'll like it. Uh, just a cool time. And also, welcome to Northwood. Uh, they're with us today, so joining us by live stream. And then they're actually going to come in and jump in on one of our meals, I think, after we serve third service. So that's what's happening. But hey, we're, we've been in a series, right? All in, right? What is it? All in. All in, right. We've been hearing about what Jesus says. You know, first of all, that that if we're truly Christians, we love God back. And, and really, to be a Christian is to be a disciple and what that means. And then last Sunday, we learned that we, we need to be all in with everything we have, that we ought to recognize God's ownership of everything and then somehow show him our appreciation by giving back to him. And today, uh, what I want us to look at on, on how we have been, there have been people of grace who have been all in for its entire 80-year history. And I wanted to go back and look at some of that and see some of that, but, but I also want to focus on a text this morning. And uh, as we look at how God has used many of you uh, to impact our community and other communities near us for the gospel and what God's done, and we just want to thank you for your faithfulness in the gospel because the gospel is everything. And here's, here's the way Paul put it in 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 1. So 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 1. <clears throat> now I made known to you, brethren, the gospel, which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which you are saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And right there he's talking about uh, people who believed the truth of it, but didn't really believe with love for God, with an intention to follow God. Verse 3, it continues, he continues, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And then he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he, appeared also, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached, and so you believed. So here in 1 Corinthians, maybe the first New Testament book written, Paul's writing maybe 20 years after the resurrection of Christ, He's writing this, the Christianity has spread, and he's writing this group of believers in Corinth, and, 
and he's summarizing the gospel for them. He's, he's helping them realize. And, and as we look at that, we, we can see that we prioritize the gospel by receiving it and then standing in it and then making it of first importance. And, and that's what we see that has happened through the history of grace. Uh, first of all, that I just want to thank, and I think we only have one representative uh, from Grace back when it first started. Is Doris back there? Right back there. Stand up, Doris. Let us see you. <clears throat> so Doris Wiles. She was just little tiny uh, 80 years ago, but uh, we appreciate her. And uh, we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Thanks, Doris. Appreciate you. And uh, I just want to thank you for being faithful to the gospel and faithful to receive the gospel. Did you catch the end what he said? This is what we preach and this is what you believed. This is the core. A lot of times when I talk to skeptics about Christianity what I find is that they don't really have an understanding of what they're skeptical of. So whenever you talk to somebody who are skeptics, one thing that you ought to ask them is, well, what, oh, I don't believe Christianity, I don't think this, and then just ask them, well, what do you think Christianity is? Because many times, they don't understand what it really is. They don't understand the message of the Bible. They think they do, something like, follow the rules and go to heaven, but that's misunderstanding the entire Bible. And so then I'll say, well, summarize, you know, what, what do you think Christianity is? But that's why it's so important that Paul here gives us the earliest record we have dating back to about 50 A.D. or in the 50s where he's saying, hey, this is the gospel. And he kind of breaks it down into four parts. But he's saying, this is the gospel. This is it. And it's the irreducible core of the news that is the essence of Christianity. And when I say breaks it down to four parts, it's because of verse 3 and 4 where he says, For I delivered to you, that's how it starts, as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And when he's saying according to the scriptures, he's talking about Old Testament scriptures. That this, this is what was happened. First of all, he starts with Jesus, that Christ. And we could just stop there with the gospel. He's saying that Christ, it's all, it starts with Jesus. And, and as he breaks that down, as he starts this, when he says the gospel, that's uh, a word that, that we talk about all the time. It means good news. But a lot of times what I don't point out is that the first century Christians picked this word good news, and, and it's a little more specific than that. It's actually joyful news that is of a huge impact, and it's good news for the hearers. So it'd be like a king whose army conquered somebody, and then news came back. Joyful news that impacts us all. The battle has been won. That level of news, that's what the gospel originally meant, that word. That kind of good, joyful news for the hearers. And we see right there the difference between Christianity and every other religion in the world. Because all other religions are about a teacher who then teaches you how uh, to, 
to do the right thing and so God will be pleased with you is basically how it is. But Christianity is completely different. Not just a teacher, but a savior. And it's not about all the things that we could do to maybe earn favor with God. It's about God doing for us. He's not just a teacher, he's a savior. He came to do for us, to act on our behalf, to rescue us and save us when we couldn't save ourselves. He's made a way for us to be reconciled with God in spite of our sin. And why do we need to be reconciled? Because God judges sin, and and we live in a culture where nobody wants to be judged, and, and to judge is like a bad thing. But do, do we not want a God who is angry with injustice? Of course we do. We want a God who's, who's not okay with sin and injustice. And that's exactly who God is. And so we see that it all starts with Jesus, but then it's substitution. Substitution. Because he says, he, Jesus died for our sins. And the word for means a whole bunch of stuff in English. In Greek, it's a little more specific. For example, in English, it could mean uh, because of our sins. He died because of our sins. That's not what it means in Greek. In Greek, for is limited to on behalf of our sins or in the place of our sins. He died in our place. He took the place that we should be in. He allowed himself to be cast away from God, in a sense, so that we could be in the presence of God. He took our place. We should be cast away. He did that so that we could be where he should be, in the presence of God. He who made him, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God, the gospel is substitution. It's, sin is sin is when we substitute ourselves for God. Sin is when we think, hey, I'll do what I want to do. I'll call the shots for my own life. I'll do whatever I think is right. Where we put ourselves in the place of God. We're substituting ourselves for God. And then salvation is God substituting himself for us. Jesus paying the price that we owe. Jesus taking our place to pay for our sin, our rebellion, our injustice, our sins. And then next, the third part is the history of the resurrection, that it's an event in history. Ancient writers didn't use footnotes like writers today. What ancient writer would do was then just start listing eyewitnesses. So for additional information, rather than read the footnote and go look it up, it's list the eyewitnesses so you can go look them up and check it out. And so that's what he's doing, listing eyewitnesses by name and then mentioning even a group of people, over 500. He's listing this all out so people can follow up and investigate. He's inviting people to investigate the resurrection. And then he ends the fourth part with transforming grace. This is what we call in our sort of motto, demonstrating change and deploying for others. That when we actually become a believer, God changes our life. That's the difference between believing in vain and believing. Believing in vain is knowing it to be true, but not really following Christ. 
believing to salvation is knowing it to be true, but then being all in, wanting to follow God with our lives, realizing that we should love Him back, wanting to pursue relationship with Him. And then, as after he notes the eyewitnesses, this transforming grace, he throws in his own testimony, right? Verses 8 through 10. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one untimely or abnormally born, for I am the least of the apostles, do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was in His testimony is grace, grace, grace. He mentions it three times. We relate to that, right? God saved us and what we are now, it's grace, grace, grace. Every good thing we do is grace, a gift from God, that we're even able to do that. That's what he's saying. It's the same grace we're named for at Grace Community. Used to be Grace Brethren since our church began. And that's what all in, all out, all in, all out is about. All in so we can go all out for Christ. That if we really know him, we will live it out. Because the gospel allows us to follow Jesus. And following Jesus will change our lives and will never be the same. It happened to Paul. It happens to you and me today. And he summarizes that. Hey, this is the gospel you received. It's, it's Jesus. It's substitution. It's resurrection. It's changed life. That's what he's saying. And many of you have not only been faithful in receiving the gospel, you've been faithful to stand in the gospel. And when we stand in the gospel, we are delivering it to others. That's what Paul's doing here. Standing it, you received it, now you stand in it. When you stand in it, you deliver it to others. God has grown grace. over the years because we've stood in the gospel. Since 1939, we've stood in the gospel for 80 years. We've stood in the gospel, we've delivered the gospel. There's been no change in that. In 1939, we started with the gospel and we never left it. Our church started because there was a threat to the gospel over an issue of an inerrancy of Scripture. And, and we're going to talk about some stuff, and there, actually there's some, uh, there's a, in your bulletin, we have this graphic um, that you can see in it. It talks about all the leaders of our church, but then also just kind of a snapshot of our attendance per decade and then what's happening this year. And here on the left... We, didn't have, we don't have records of decisions before. It only goes back so many years. So just since 2002, for example, we've had over 3,000 decisions for Christ. But we have records of baptism since 1939, over 2,400 baptisms by grace, the grace of God. And so, and I know we sometimes get caught up in numbers, and numbers are just stats, and it's just, you know, numerals on a... 
And a lot of times we're missing the impact of the lives that are impacted when that happens. They're not just numbers, it's lives, people, families, families who are here, families who have moved away. And um, In 1939, a group of believers realized their church was moving away from biblical inerrancy. And so they started a new church in a rented building that was what Fremont people call the prairie west of the quarry on Stone Street on Garrison. And Doris is part of that original crowd. In 1943, we purchased land and then built uh, just the basement part of the building on Collingwood. And that's what they started with then in uh, 43. And then in, and, and the war was happening then. And so that was kind of delaying them to finish. But in 1949, uh, they finished the top part of that building, and that, during that time or after that time, Pastor Tressler uh, served there uh, as senior pastor, and then later left and, re, and, and was actually responsible for buying this land here and, and doing the original construction here, but then he left, and then years later, he came back uh, to grace. But go back to that other picture. See, there's Pastor Tressler, kind of in the middle. Here's how much things have changed. The guy on the left, he's actually on our leadership board. That's kind of scary, right? So a lot of years. Yeah, let's go to the other one there. And I think in 77, uh, we... Well, before that, in 1950, we started the chapel, a church on the west side of town, which since has moved out to 590, which is called Grace Brethren Chapel. In 1977, purchased land here on Smith Road, built the auditorium, um, in, in 1988, on the back side of this building, built a gym. And uh, go back. I'm going to show how things used to be done here. So that, that's the back side of the building. Looks like the front. That, but then we had this, uh, this kind of unit, this extra, what do, you, what do you call this? these buildings? Auxiliary unit or whatever. What is that? A portable, yeah, portable classroom. Well, then that needed to be moved. So what do we do? We just call up some guys with tractors and they come and we just drag it and just drug it a few feet over. And uh, that was still here when I came. And then we, we built the gym. Um, again, we, I say we did things differently back then. I mean, everybody pitched in. I remember, so the new building, which was that, the big peak. So that was built in 77 and then in 88, the back part of it. But in 77, when they built that huge peak, it was really cool. Back in the 70s, some of you will remember this. Some of you will have no idea what I'm talking about. But everything was done in track lighting. And so you had all these beams swooping up to the top. There, there were no beams across. And then there was track lighting that lit up the ceiling, that, all that exposed wood. Which was great, except for people couldn't read their Bibles. There wasn't enough light. So then they needed some, they decided, well, we got to put in lights, but there's no place to hang lights because it was all just open. So then the guys decided, well, we need to bring in some beams to put across and to hang the lights. And so if you can imagine these huge beams coming in the side doors through the office area for us today, would be, and, and Jerry, you were here when they were doing that, right? And um, yeah, just all, all these guys were, were making that happen. And they just did all that themselves you know Bill Pickard I, I heard was just hanging from the beam riding it up there in the sky and not OSHA friendly stuff but uh, anyway 
in 93. That's kind of when I came, so I can give a little snapshot of what happened then. Um, it's just things have changed. The world has changed. When I came to Grace, the church didn't have a computer. You know, I, I, I went and bought a cutting-edge piece of equipment for the youth. It was this machine that could actually capture video and you could pull out a cartridge and stick it in a player and play it back. And that was cool. A VCR camera. I remember when I bought that, uh, I was called into the, um, the properties commission. We had commissions running everything. And properties commission guys called me in. And they said, we heard you bought a, a VCR camera. And I'm like, yeah, I bought a camera. It's great. And they said, well, you didn't get approval for that. And I said, oh. I didn't know I needed it. You know, there's a youth commission, and we knew all about it. So didn't know I needed it. Why would I need permission from the properties commission? It was in the youth budget, and the youth commission knew all about it. And they said, and here's what they said, um, well, where, where are you storing that? And I said, well, it's up in the youth room. They said, is it on our property? I said, yeah. Well, then you need permission. <laughs> but... These were the guys that hired me as a custodian, you know, and I didn't know nothing, and they knew I knew nothing about custodians, so, hey, that was okay with me, we'll work all this out, and they said, but it's okay this time, it's just, it was a different world back then, it just things happened differently, uh, it's just funny, when you think about all that stuff, we, we later then got, uh, we wanted to show slides, you know, like uh, pictures and words upon the screen, well, back then, in order to do that, you know what you had to do, you had to, you had to make slides that went into a slide projector so it'd be you're singing and then it'd be like clunk and then the next one came up you know it's just it was, it was that's just the way we did things back in the day um, in 1997 we went to two services in our old auditorium uh, we were kind of packed out uh, that's a picture of our whole church there when everybody came in that's after we went to two services so all the aisles and everything. People in other places of the building came in and um, in 99 we changed our name from Grace Brethren to Grace Community. We thought that would help us be more effective. Um, in 2002 or we took this huge step of faith. We are a church of 600 and something and people sacrificed. We talked about it. We planned. We actually made the decision I think maybe in 99 and in 2002, uh, we built this new auditorium that seated 1,000. We were only 600 at the time in two services. Grand opening, I think, was around Easter of 02, and just huge step of faith. By 05, we then added a second service in, in this room here. And, uh, and we were growing. God was blessing us. In 08... We built the, the cafe uh, and the quad and um, the music extension, everything on the other side of this wall. And, uh, and then we started looking uh, outward a little bit. We, in 09, we committed uh, and, and ended up building two orphanages in, in Thailand. We also committed to helping churches care for orphans in Africa, in Thailand, we're kind of doing it more directly in Africa through the church, which, which is a great way to do it. And then in uh, 14, we had the opportunity, a, a church asked us in Paulding 
to come in and, and help restart them. We did that. Right now, we're kind of in an experiment uh, to see if they can go independent to, to give them their uh, stuff back. And so we're still analyzing that. Uh, and that's what's happening there. Then in 16, most of you remember this. We, we built the student center, everything behind me this way. And God continued to bless um, just people made big sacrifices maybe our our builder made the biggest sacrifice and to put all putting all that together um, the Kern family and it just made all that happen and then in 17 we launched restarted and launched Grace Point uh, in Northwood and they're thriving today and like I said they'll they're, they're listening in to us now and they'll be joining us later today and that's their planning meeting their pre-launch kind of planning meeting there uh, with Harold leading them and and I just got to tell you over the years I remember there's a time when we were building this building and it was just kind of gravel here and platform hadn't been done but these there's some block walls here were up and I came and and sat with Zach up where that screen is and our legs were dangling off and just talking about what God is doing and what I thought God would do here and over the years God has been faithful it's like a miracle uh, it's very rare for churches like ours and the size of our church to be in communities of our size and so God has done that through most of you uh, who have been with us and joined us in this. And just over the years, God just has, has been blessing and blessing and blessing. And I can't describe to you the thankfulness, first of all, to God, but also to you uh, for how God's used you to make all this. In churches, our families... And God brought us together for a reason. And through the years, God, we, God, however you want to say it, God has impacted people through us. Or we have impacted people as, as God wanted it to happen. And I just want to say thank you to all of you who have given or served, to all of you who have been faithful to not only receive the gospel, but stand in the gospel to deliver the gospel. Because a week doesn't go by that we don't hear of lives being changed as a result of our, our ministry. And, uh, and I just want to thank you for that. And we think God is not finished with us yet. And so in a lot of ways... Um, some of the biggest things for us, I think, are still to come. We preach the same message. I mean, our style over the years has completely changed. You know, I used to wear a suit every day. Our style has changed, but our message has not changed at all. We preach the same exact message that we preached in 1939. 
Styles change, the message does not change. The same message that we've been preaching for 80 years is the same message that Paul preached in the first century. That never gets old. That's never dated. It's more and more relevant each and every day. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for, for salvation for anyone, to anyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And here's my concern, especially for the younger people in our church. Are you committed to the gospel? Not just you believe it, but you've received it by placing your trust in Christ alone and therefore loving God back and it changing your life. One of the most depressing things I ever hear, of course, that we're celebrating, probably shouldn't even say this, but one of the most depressing, I'm getting a little dark here maybe, I don't know, I'm turning, is that I'll hear about people leaving grace and, you know, they move somewhere or something and, and I'll catch up with them 10 or 15 years later and then I'll find out that they're not going to church or they're going to a church that doesn't preach the gospel. That doesn't happen a lot, but it happens. That bums me out. A lot of times they leave and say, well, we didn't find a church like Grace. Well, find, if you can't find a church like Grace, just find a church that preaches the gospel. Because the gospel is more important than the style. The truth is more important than, than the wrapping. And, and so I ask you, especially if you're younger, are you committed? Are you committed to the gospel? Not just receive, not believe it, but to receive it and then stand in it and deliver it to make sure you're a part of making disciples. Because many here have done that. Many, many who are here are here because people here have done that. Commit to God. Make that your priority. And that's kind of what he talks about next. He's like, faithful to keep the gospel, the third part here, faithful to keep the gospel in first importance. You know, I thank you that you are faithful to receive the gospel. I thank you were faithful to stand in the gospel and make sure it's delivered. Why? Because I thank you because you've kept, you're faithful to keep the gospel first importance. And that's what we're still doing now. The gospel's first importance. And, and because of that, Currently, we keep evaluating and adjusting and trying to figure out. Programs come and go. We're always trying to figure out what can we do that will advance the kingdom, that will see people come to Christ, that will see people, their lives continue to be changed, that will see people discipled. What can we do to make that happen? So we're constantly reevaluating and analyzing and we don't do programs just to do programs or just because we've been doing programs we do programs because they're effective at what God has called us to do and if they're not effective we we let them go and so maybe right now um, we're taking maybe the biggest risk that we've ever taken as a church right now and it starts next Sunday when a bunch of us, our church family, heads to Tiffin to launch a church there. And it'll be a church, it'll be just like our church, and I believe it'll be a church that'll have the same kind of impact that 
it's part of us, their campus, will have the same kind of impact that our campus has had on our community, on our county. I believe our campus in Tiffin will have that same kind of impact in Tiffin and in Seneca County. And so we've purchased land. Uh, we're getting ready to, to launch next Sunday. Uh, the services will begin. And this is just kind of, we call it a soft launch, meaning for two weeks, we're just working out the bugs with our own people, making sure, you know, the parking people know what they're doing. All the volunteers are comfortable in everything that they're doing to make it all work. But then the 29th is the grand opening, the public launch. It's when we're full throttle uh, inviting the community, and, and it, that'll be a huge, huge day. And... Uh, and as a matter of fact, because this is the last time on a regular Sunday that our Tiffin team is with us, I'd like everybody that is part of, our, if you're going to Tiffin next Sunday, if you plan on attending Tiffin, you're part of our launch team, and I would like you to stand right now so we could show you our appreciation. Go ahead and stand up and stay up. Stand up, stand up, everybody stand up. All right, you are our heroes, all right? We appreciate all of you. Uh, you are, are, you know, it's not comfortable to do something new. We understand that, and you're going. But I believe God is going to use you to make a tremendous impact in Tiffin and Seneca County and beyond. And I think that this 2019, this moment in history right now, in the history, in the 80-year history of our church as it continues, that this will be a pivotal point in the history of Grace Community Church. This, this month will be a pivotal point that we will never forget. And, and by the way, the 29th is not just a big Sunday for Tiffin. It's a huge Sunday for all three of our campuses, Fremont and Northwood as well, because prior to the 29th, we're, we're doing a mass mailing that we're going to send in all three communities. And we, we expect a response for that. But i got to tell you, mass mailings do not work as effectively as people inviting. So more important than the mass mailing is that people would invite people in to the series that we're going to call Why Believe. That's the one, the series we're kicking Tiffin off with, but we're doing here in Northwood as well. And so it's an opportunity for us here and for Northwood, just like Tiffin, to, to grab people and make disciples and, and share with them the love of God and, uh, and try to connect with them on a thinking kind of a level. And so that's the Sunday that we want you to be praying for every campus, which is just, what, in three weeks? September 29th. Huge, huge Sunday for us. Please be praying about that. And actually what you should be praying for is you should be thinking about people that you can invite, no matter what community you're in, to church, and figuring out who those people are and praying for them before you invite them, that God would get their hearts ready and so that you can make that happen. I came here in 1990. I became senior pastor in 1993. And I thank God for all of you. I thank God that he has let me be your pastor for this time and none of us know when, how long that goes we don't know how long God gives us to do anything but it's been a privilege 
And it's been a joy. It doesn't always show up on my face, but it's always in my heart. It's a joy to follow Christ, and it's a joy to be part of this church family here at Grace Community. I'd like us all to stand, and we'll pray. Real quick. I'm taking, I'm taking over. <laughs>